And then after they trained with me, now that's going to happen. Um, I, I at least, let me just at least make it so it, uh, the damn thing doesn't answer. Hello, this is the president. <laughs> Chris, we need you. We, we need you. Yeah. We're sending you to Iran. Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macrow. Brought to you by Public Safety and Education and the Trigger Pressers Union. And now, your hosts. This episode of Meet the Pressers is made possible with the generous support of thelawofselfdefense.com, Nikon, Shooter Technology Group, ASP, Saber Red, the Safer Faster Defense Responder 2.0, and Lee Armory. Thank you. Welcome to Meet the Pressers. I'm Matt Mallory. And I'm Clint Macro, and today our special guest is the legendary Chris Serino. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I don't know if you remember, but last year during the NRA World Shooting Championship, we sat down together every morning and shared hotel bacon. I do remember because I I, uh, I was just there uh, this uh, about two weeks ago. And uh, as soon as you came on, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> that guy, the bacon, the bacon guy, <laughs> the, the baconator. That's what I call you, Clint, the baconator. Yeah, sure. I'll take it for a little bit. October was a blur for me, so it all kind of spilled into uh, different things. But yeah, it's only been like a week and a half. It was uh, my best finish yet, but I finish in the in the top of the pros, and I don't practice. I don't practice any of that stuff. I just go there to shoot it because I think it's fun and cool. It's performance on demand, nice. cool. and it is all about pressing triggers and figuring how to make things work. And I did pretty damn good. We had Eugene uh, Jankowski on the show. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, Gino was on my squad. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He said he was going to be on, on squatted with you and a whole bunch of other people. I guess your squad was like the, the squad of rock stars, right? Yeah, well, we had Jerry and Bruce Pyatt and Tony Holmes and, and Eugene and me and Todd Jarrett. And, and uh, <clears throat> gosh, uh, I can't even remember who else was on there. But uh, yeah. We were all we were all sprinkled throughout the top fifteen. Cool, cool. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. I shot two years uh, in seventeen and eighteen. I'm actually on the poster. I'm the guy laying prone with the funny hat on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember they passed that out, and I'm like, "Hey, that dude's got the same hat as I do." <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute, you're the one that gave me the kitty pressers sticker right? that's right uh, yeah presser sticker is when did you give me that yeah that kitty petters union that. i gave you that at the uscc expo i think we just USCCA. bumped into one of it yes and i still i still have that i haven't put it on anything because i'm just afraid that when i put it on something i won't have another one <laughs> <laughs> well i tell you what dude I'll, I'll send you a few how about that oh my gosh yeah i uh, <laughs> I, I i i love those stickers and i and i uh, tell you what the idea that you came up with with the trigger pressers union is really just a good thing because if you can't press triggers, then you're not a shooter. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think it and it applies to all shooters, whether they be, you know, defensive or competitive or flintlocks or Glocks. It doesn't matter. We all press triggers. It's a little rhyme and, you got there. Flintlock and the the line. union part of it is, you know, we all need to kind of support one another, whether it be just for the betterment of the sport or to protect our Second Amendment rights. So that's that's the whole union aspect of it. And and I'd like to say that I, I think at least with all the people I've come in contact, you know, we, we, when we work and train and compete together, we all become part of the union. Hi, I'm Top Shot Chris Chang, and I am supporting and attending the Second Amendment rally in Washington, D.C. on November 2nd because I want to show our government that we, the people, are willing to stand up and protect our rights. Hope to see you there. I'm heading to the Second Amendment rally in Washington, D.C. in two weeks to show my support for our rights under the Constitution. Our rights under the Second Amendment are under attack across this country, and I don't think that we can rely on any one organization. I think it's important for us as individual gun owners and Second Amendment supporters to speak out when we can and educate those around us. This is Michael Savini with Walk the Talk America. And I support the 2A rally on November 2nd in Washington, D.C. because it finally gives us as gun culture an opportunity to come together and show the rest of the country that not only are we united, but we have a socially conscious 2A. It's not just about defending our rights, but it's also about the things that we do and they don't. Hey, it's Cam Edwards, editor of BearingArms.com, and I'm supporting the Second Amendment rally in Washington, D.C. on November the 2nd. Because I want to hear from activists all across the country who are successfully and effectively protecting and securing our right to keep and bear arms. I'm really hoping this rally is the start of something much bigger, uh, the start of a grassroots awakening in the United States, uh, people getting on board and defeating the gun control extremists from a grassroots level. That's what I hope comes from the rally. Hi, this is Clint Macro, founder of the Trigger Pressers Union. I'm supporting the Second Amendment rally that's happening in Washington, D.C. on November 2nd because I think it's time that regular people, law-abiding citizens, gun owners, stand together shoulder to shoulder and tell the elected officials that enough is enough. The national organizations are not going to win our freedom for us. We need to do it ourselves. Hey, Riley Bowman with ConcealedCarry.com here, and I'm supporting the Second Amendment rally on November 2nd at the U.S. Capitol because this is doing something. And the time is now to stand up and do something about our Second Amendment freedoms. Now, back to Meet the Pressers. One of your classes I'm interested in taking, and perhaps maybe you could shed some light on it, a little more light on it, is your, uh, uh, your diagnostic instructor, the diagnostic pistol class. Yeah, and I can tell you all about that class. And it's kind of an interesting story. Um, so the diagnostic... Uh, pistol instructor started out as just like the diagnostic firearms instructor, but I mean, it really does apply to everything we do in firearms, but uh, we, we do it with pistols and it's the semi-autos, but you can, you can shoot any gun you want in those classes. You can bring something different out and just experiment with it. Um, when I was an air marshal, I had to remediate shooters, you know, so, cause if you couldn't qualify, Yep. You would ultimately end up, uh, we'd take your gun away. You'd spend a week and about 5,000 rounds with me for a week. Uh, I was not a great shooter back then. I was pretty good, and I had no problems qualifying. But I had to work with these shooters continually for day after day. And so I had to figure out what made me successful. 
So I would have to say, well, you know, this is what I see. This is what I feel. Um, let me see what you're doing. And I would watch them. And I did everything to include getting around the front of the muzzle. I would sit and I would look up at their muzzle in their face because some people shot so badly. I had to figure they were cu- closing their eyes. Mm-hmm. And some were. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would blink or, you know, close their eyes just for that, that instant, that split second. That's enough to make a bad shot, especially at 25 yards. So I was, I would sit in that range and I would just, uh, I call it throwing shit at the wall and I would just throw out this and I'd say, well, let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try this. And ultimately I became a great shooter because I had to be able to demonstrate or at least understand what, why, why I hit and why I missed. I figured out what it takes to hit and I figured out why I missed. So when I went to the state of Ohio and I became the, the firearms instructor for the Ohio Peace Officer Training Academy, I would run these classes, just, you know, pistol operator, carbine operator. I would do instructor level training and I would walk down the line and I'd fix people here and there. And I'd say, well, hey, think about this. You know, this is what it should feel like. This is what you should see. Um, and I would get people to do miraculous things. You know, I'd, I'd have someone that couldn't hit the cardboard at 12 feet, you know, coming in, uh, you know, in the top six and the top shooter at the end of the class. Nice. And these people would come back year after year and they would say, man, I, I've never, I've never had a problem qualifying again. I just totally understand shooting. And I, I, you know, man, I want to thank you. And they I mean, I still get people from 15 and more years ago that still send me stuff. That's awesome. So while I was doing that, people would stop me every once in a while and they'd say, man, what did you do with her? What did you do with him? <laughs> man, that's like amazing. The transformation. And I'd say, well, you know, this is what I showed him, and I, and I did this. And then I'd do somebody else, and I'd say, well, what would you do with him? And I'd say, well, I showed him this, and I, and I told him this. And they'd say, man, this is great stuff. You should make a class out of that. You know, just all the things that you do with different people. And I thought, yeah, I could do that. And uh, ultimately, it started out as a week-long class, and I could fill a week, weeks wow. worth of material. The thing is – most people don't know how to shoot really well. And they, even if they do shoot okay, they don't know why. And then when they miss, they don't understand that either. So they can't fix it and they sure, sure as hell can't fix it on the fly. So it started as a week long class. And then ultimately I got, I got to get down to like a three day class. And, uh, and that's just where it's at. So now I run a, I run a two day for civilians because civilians, you know, they can't get more than two days to train. Mm. But if I do a law enforcement class, law enforcement only, I, uh, I do it as a three day class still. I did a three day uh, this year down in Missouri. I'm going to be doing some three day classes down in Gatlinburg in December this year in Tennessee with that stuff. But it is, uh, it is basically instructional skills. I teach people how, how I do things on the range, why I do things on the range. Uh, everything from why I say, okay, shooters, go prepare your magazines. Prepare your magazines with 12s. Prep your mags with 12 mm-hmm. rather than say load your magazines. I'm a big fan of that terminology too, yeah. And I'll tell you what, if you tell somebody to load something, yep, you're going to hear slidey crack crack. Unmacking behind you on the yep. <laughs> yeah, That's for sure. <laughs> I think that's happened to all of us. Yep. 
you know, uh, everything from how I shoot demos and why I shoot demos on, a, on an angle. I shoot them at a 45 degree angle and I change from this side to that side because depending on what I want people to see, you know, mm -hmm. I want them to watch my hands. I want them to watch my eyes, my head, whatever it is I'm, they're looking at. But I certainly don't want them to look at the target. And there are actually times and I'll tell, you know, things I talk about like <laughs> I, I don't I don't I don't pull the bullshit of shooting into the berm because I, I can actually shoot and I want people to be inspired by what I'm doing and the finished product because we have to worry more about you have to worry about the process, not the result when you shoot, because after all you can't control anything past the end of the muzzle and once the bullet leaves it, if you haven't focused on the process, the result's not gonna be right. Amen. So I talk about all that kind of stuff and I still shoot a target. And there are times when I will tell them I'm shooting into the berm, I'll say, I'm gonna shoot into the berm, just watch me. And then I'll actually shoot the target and I'll say, and by the way, I shot that target at right there. And they'll look then and they'll go, oh wow, that's a pretty good shooting. Because you have to inspire through your performance, through your words, through your things. And that's what the diagnostic instructor is all about. And uh, people that come to that, if you want to be a trainer, if you want to, even if you don't train somebody else, at the very least, you're continually teaching yourself. Hey, everybody. It's Alessandro Padovani from Safer Faster Defense. And I'm watching Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macro. Don't miss this episode. Lots of good information. And don't miss the next one either. Stay safe, guys. Meet the Pressers. When you build a house, your foundation has to be done correctly. We do certain things about foundations. We pour the cement the right way. If we have a basement, we dig it down to virgin soil because stuff has to be settled. It has to be packed in because no matter how beautiful your house is, if your foundation is built you know, on, on a crappy foundation. If your house is built on a crappy foundation, it is going to crumble. Well, you know, shooting is the same way. If you don't have solid fundamentals, and I believe in three things. First and foremost, uh, not foremost, but number one is weapon manipulation skills. Can you mm -hmm. work the gun? Can you manipulate it properly? And can you do it almost on autopilot, which you should be able to. Two is gear manipulation. Can you work with your gear? And that means like slings and holsters and everything else that accessorizes your guns and your shooting. And the third thing is fundamentals marksmanship. With those three things, that is your foundation. And that's why I succeeded and that's why I did well in Top Shot because I've always had a good idea. Like I can pick up any gun and I can make it work. I may not be able to do it quickly because certain triggers are just not appropriate for shooting quickly. Um, but you can make it work. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, listen, if your foundation is not solid, anything you put on top of it will crumble when the storm comes. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants advanced training. Well, there is no advanced training. There's advanced applications of the basics. And it's just basics piled upon basics upon basics. And sometimes you're doing more than one thing at a time. You know, we do, you know, we do reload drills or we do team drills where we get SWAT guys standing next to each other and shooting a little bit of movement and some communication and they fall apart. They look like a turkey noodle hoagie, a soup sandwich, you know, <laughs> make it even worse. Let's put it on a paper plate. You know, it's choking through. It's poking through. It's just a mess. But then I stop them and I have a come to Jesus talk and I say, OK, so what do we got here? 
Um, we have a presentation with the rifle. Is there anything advanced? No. We've got uh, two or one or two hits on on target. Now, anything anything advanced there? We've got transition from the rifle to the pistol. So there's a presentation with the pistol, basically. I mean, you call it a transition because all we're doing is not using the rifle. Anything advanced there? No. Okay, then we've got some communication. We want to let somebody know that we're down, that we want to get our rifle back up and running, and uh, we have to do that. Anything advanced? No. But, man, you pile all these basic things together, and they just fall apart. Mm -hmm. They can't. They can't even work their way through it until we have that come to Jesus talk and we talk about how basic it is. And then all of a sudden it becomes, oh, yeah, I can do this. I think a lot of times people don't. I use the analogy. When, when you started saying building the foundation of a house, it, it, it hits home with me because I always talk about the grip as being the foundation, right? You get, the, you get that initial foundation and then from there you put the wall in. Well, if that foundation isn't stable and it, it makes that wall crumble. So I use that mentality to give people that don't know anything about guns how to get that, that proper grip and make sure they got that 360-degree grip around that gun. Right. So that that's, hits right home. Well, I think your example, too, you know, that's, that's application of skill in context. So each individual skill that you were talking about, some people just go to the range and pop 20 rounds into a piece of paper. And no Maybe plan. they get proficient at just that individual skill, but then when you put them together in the context of how we might be using that firearm in real life, whether that be in a law enforcement capacity or, you know, coming from concealment, moving laterally as a, as a civilian, you know, we start to see the wheels fly off. We get a lot of people that come to classes uh, and they, everybody wants advanced training because they've all got their CCW what what we find is that these shooters are people that have really only understand how to discharge a firearm in a safe direction mm -hmm. in a controlled environment. And so they do is they go to the range, they load a gun, they pick it up, they shoot it, they discharge it in a safe direction towards a target. And then they set it down or they load it again or anything, but they're, they're not shooters. And, and as far as for their wife, who's also a shooter, and there's nothing wrong with this. It's just that they don't know what they don't know. Right. There's mm -hmm. those four levels of competence, you know, and this is what they don't know what they don't know. So then they say, well, my wife's a shooter. Well, it really ends up being this. Here, honey, take this. And maybe, maybe she puts a magazine in it and charges it, but probably not. He loads it, charges it, hands it to her. She shoots it till it's empty. And man, she may be great. She may be able to shoot the hind legs off a gnat. But then she's done with it. She sets the gun down or hands it back and he takes the magazine out and he reloads it and hands it back. Yep. So, so technically they're shooters, but in reality they're hobbyists who understand how to discharge a firearm in a safe direction. Mm -hmm. So then you get them in class and, and they, they, they're overwhelmed because they didn't know how much they really don't know. You know, everything from, you know, drawing the pistol to doing things in a, tactically sound fashion, doing things, operating and manipulating the weapon system in such a fashion that it would be conducive to saving your own life or the life of somebody else's, uh, you know, be moving towards that, that unconscious competence. Think about driving your car. You go to work, you go to church, you go to, to school, whatever, you're done and you drive home. Have you ever pulled in your driveway and been like, I, I don't even remember driving home. 
know, that's how we want to be with the firearm. We want to, we want to do it so many repetitions that it just becomes second nature to us. I use that analogy all the time because driving a car, the, it's like uh, the sights on the pistol become subconscious. And I've trained a lot of killers, okay? I've trained a lot of people that have been in shootings. I've trained everybody from the lunch lady at the, at the high school or the middle school to ranger battalions. And <clears throat> I've trained a lot of people who have been in shootings. And I've also had a lot of people in my classes that have killed a lot of people. And there are some that would say that I never saw my sights. Point shooting is, is based on a, a, a motor program, and point shooting is best done with the gun somewhere in front of your face. Because I can guarantee, well, I'm going to point at the camera there. Now, I can guarantee that I'm pointing right at the camera. I don't need sights on my finger to know that I'm pointing at that camera, but I do have some reference of my finger to the camera. It is not down at chest or chin level. These guys, these old guys would come back to me after a little while, and they'd say, you know what? I think you got something, Sereno. I think I did see my sights. I just really don't think about it because they were trained to see what they need to see and fire the gun. You know, the trigger is, is no different than the brake. Just because we touch the brake does not mean that we have to use the brake. Nice. I like that. Just because we come even into the brake to where the brake lights come on doesn't mean we're braking yet. That may just be a signal to someone behind us that, hey, there's a herd of deer up here alongside the road. I just saw one shoot across, and I'm thinking about braking. And just because I begin to apply the brake to brake doesn't mean that the car is going to stop now. I control that. And, and people, the problem is we talk, about, we talk about trigger, and it's like, well, you don't touch the trigger until your sights are on target and you've made – a conscious decision to shoot. Well, until your sights are on target and you've made a decision to shoot. Well, if you don't touch the trigger until your sights are on target and you've made a decision to shoot, I've already made the decision to shoot before the gun came out of the freaking holster. Sure. So if my presentation sucks, yes, I have no business touching the trigger. But when I see trouble ahead and I see traffic ahead, you bet your sweet bippy that my foot is off the gas and to the brake, whether or not the brake lights have even come on or the braking action has even started. That's a good point. Is all based on what I'm seeing in front of me. And I operate the trigger based on what I'm seeing in front of me. And that means how, how much sight picture I need, how much sight alignment I need, the distance to the target, the size of the target. My trigger finger operates within those parameters. But so many people change their focus from sites, they say, okay, there it is, now trigger. Well, when you've changed your focus to trigger, you've changed your focus and you have no idea what you saw in front of you, even though you would swear on your mother's grave that you were looking at the sites and you had a good sight picture when the gun went off, you've changed your focus nonetheless. When the trigger finger is a feeling, the sights are a, something I see. So I ask people all the time, I'm like, what do you see? What did you feel? Because when you're shooting fast and you're competing, if you didn't see something right or you didn't feel something right before you even get a reaction out of the target. And sometimes you don't because it may be paper. You send another one based on what you saw, what you felt, but people don't understand that yet. Then, and that's the, that's the higher level of shooting. And that's part of the diagnostic class also. And that's also part of my, my standard training. I mean, I just teach people, I teach people to fish. I do not bring them in, hand them a fish, pat them on the back and say, hey, that was pretty good, and then send them home. When we were kids, how do we play cops and robbers? Somebody, somebody shoot me. 
right? And this is obviously a class nobody has guns because they don't have a pistol license yet. <laughs> but and then they do this, and I'm like, okay, well, that that's that's relating the known. Everybody knows what that is. Um, well, unless you're wealthy, you might have had a double barrel, but typically, you know, it's, it, most people know what that is. <laughs> and then you go to put your your hand on that firearm, right? Ah, my cert's not right here, but. And and you go in and now your fingers up away from that trigger. So that's how when you're grabbing that firearm, if you're grabbing it like this, that's gonna it's gonna mitigate the chance of you being able to put your finger on the trigger or grabbing it like this, which I see people do. And then then obviously that foundation's off once they bring their finger up and yada yada yada. High in the back strap when you put your finger along the frame like that. Yeah, it keeps Most it nice people, and tight. When they don't grab a gun right, their finger just kind of drifts. Yeah. The I've seen them guard. like hold it outside the trigger guard like this. And it's like, how it's not comfortable and, and <laughs> nor is it stable. No, and it's not, it's not right. And uh, you're hundred percent spot on with that. I'm stealing that. No, <laughs> go, go for it. Yeah, one of the one of my favorite known the unknowns is talking about getting the arms to full extension in the line of sight so that we can consistently present the gun, whether we're doing, you know, unconscious sighting or not. Uh, and you know, you have kids, don't you, Chris? We got two boys, 20. Yeah, I, I think I met your son actually. Well, when he was a baby and you held out the bottle, both hands at full extension with eyes focused on the bottle, and eh, eh, parallel into the line of sight. Like that's what babies do. They're born with that. You know, we throw darts, arm at full extension, parallel into the line of sight. So, you know, that aspect of that consistent presentation, whether you use sights or not, whatever your kung fu is, if you can do that every single time you train, then it's like, in your car, your your brake pedal doesn't move, right? So the brake pedal's always where the brake pedal is. And that's one of the reasons we're able to learn how to use those pedals intuitively without having to think about it, I think. You know, having that consistent motor action. Yeah, if you don't have some semblance of metal on meat, you're not gonna get a hit. I mean, at least you can't guarantee a hit. I mean, you could practice, anybody can practice hip shooting or three-quarter hip shooting or, you know, uh, chest or chin level shooting, you could practice that in a static environment and you could get hits. I mean, we've all seen Taryn Butler shoot a plate rack down from the hip and he does it in less than two seconds. Angelina Jolie can make the hits doing this kind of stuff too, right? How many times <laughs> has, has that kind of shit happened? And if he ran up to the plate rack and just drew to the hip, would he be able to do it? Or does he have to be right there? Hi. I'm Grant Gallagher from Scotshot in New Jersey. I'm the co-administrator of National Trina Teacher Day, and you're watching Meet the Pressers with Matt Mallory and Clint Macro. Meet the Pressers. You know, we, uh, and you in law enforcement, me in law enforcement, I, we've done a lot of the shove and shoot at three feet from the target. And I've kind of drifted away from that because, you know, what, what's the penalty of a miss? A miss, we have to, be responsible for those shots and the chances of somebody missing a target at that close distance, especially law enforcement in New York, um, is pretty likely. Yeah, we still do retention shooting in Ohio. It's part of our course of fire. It was supposed to be at touch distance, you know, where you could actually reach out and touch the target. Yep. Um, but they dumbed it down and made it, uh, I think it's four feet from the target because they don't want people shooting the paper off the target. Or shooting their hand. Hmm. Well, well, that too, but number one, I think, is because they don't want people shooting the paper off the target. So don't feed the gun to the target. Why not teach people how to shoot from retention? I can shoot right up to it almost chest to chest and not blow the freaking paper off the target, but we don't teach it. See, what we do is we teach people to qualify. Mm. We don't train anybody. We don't mentor anybody. Yeah. We don't lead by example because we can't. I, I, I fell into that 
a long time ago. I mean, when I became a firearms instructor back in the nineties, I was, I became one because I was the best of the bad lot. They said, Hey, Serena, you're pretty good with a gun. You want to go to firearms instructor school? And I thought, yeah, I would do that. I was never a gun guy. I never had an affinity for guns. I could give a shit. I didn't probably own two back then, but <clears throat> I was the best of the bad lot. And then in the air marshals, well, even when I became a SWAT guy, Hey, you want to be a SWAT guy? You're pretty good. Yeah. Well, I'm the best of the bad lot. So they put me in that and I got an opportunity to do all these things, but it, it really, I didn't know why I could shoot. Well, you know, they say those who can do those who can't teach. And that's, you know, that's kind of true, but, I like to change it to those who can do, those who understand should teach. Because if you don't understand what makes you successful, if you don't understand what it takes to hit and why you miss, you got no business showing anybody anything. Because it's, mm -hmm. sure, it's sure as hell, and I love to use some stronger language, uh, and I do sometimes, it's sure as hell is not just how I look when I shoot. Because if you look at me, it almost looks like my shoulders are behind my hips, but they're not because there's different muscular tension in my body. My wife always says, you got to watch what you do when you demonstrate because you look really relaxed. Because I do, I shoot very relaxed, but I have certain muscular tension that people just can't see. So if somebody wants to shoot like me, don't shoot like I look. Because <laughs> <laughs> it ain't right. Don't do, do as, as I say, I not as I yeah, look. Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking that. That's funny. People will come up to me and they'll say, Hey, uh, yeah, you were on Top Shot. Is that how you became a trainer? And I say, yeah, I was on Top Shot, and I figured I was pretty good, so I thought I'd just show people what I do. No, I've been a trainer all my life. I, people are nuts, man. They think just because you were on Top Shot, and that's what, you know, right. Matt, uh, Clint, Matt was talking earlier while you were dicking around with your computer. <laughs> <laughs> you, you said, you know, you don't have anything about the TV stuff you do. You don't have anything about Top Shot on your website. And I never really thought of it. It's not intentional. It wasn't intentional mm -hmm. at all. It's just not where I hang my hat. If I spray her and she's still coming at me, she can't see, but my last known origin, my last known position is where she's headed. Right. Why would I want to be on the railroad tracks and get run over? Right? Why would I want to be on that axe? I don't. So in that case, right, I'm spraying and pivoting out of the way. Now, back to Meet the Pressers. One of the things we like to talk about on here, just shifting gears a little bit, uh, we'd like to talk about politics and, you know, uh, pro-liberty activism. Is there anything going on in your state legislatively, or is there anything you'd like to talk about or, or make people aware of who might be interested in, in uh, standing up for their rights? whatever they may be, but chiefly probably Second Amendment. Well, we've got that dipshit Kasich as a governor here. <laughs> and uh, he likes to call himself a Republican, but he's not. Hmm. Uh, we, we don't, I don't know anything here, but we do have the Buckeye Firearms Foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is, if you're not a member, I think it's like 35 bucks a year. If you're from Ohio, you should definitely be a member of that. Everybody knows what the problem is. It's the big cities that run yeah. the rest of the state. Yeah. The free yep. people there. Yep, and it's yep. just a shame. It's sad. It's just a shame. Well, that's why they're pushing to get rid of the Electoral College. Yeah. If, if they got rid of the Electoral College, New York City and Los Angeles would control the entire country. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. And I, I was surprised that Trump had actually said something like that. I don't know if he just said it just to say it, but uh, I don't think he's he went anywhere with it. But after the election, he had said something about, you know, came out in support of getting rid of the Electoral College, if I remember correctly. Like, which, like every time that guy talks, parts of my body tingle. Isn't that, didn't Chris Matthews' body tingle when Obama spoke? Wasn't that something? But what you're talking about is different, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, <laughs> he, he, he is, he is, he says what we all say amongst each other. He says what other people loud. think. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know if people, if, and I still got friends that are pseudo conservative. They call themselves conservatives, but they say, I just wish you wouldn't say certain things that my father will say that my dad's a huge conservative. He's like, yeah, but he always says this stuff. You know, he shouldn't say half of this stuff. And I say, you know what? Who effing cares? I think it's fantastic. And I still stand with him. And if somebody shies away from him because of something that he says, because they think he's too abrasive or that he's, he's not pensive or thoughtful. Well, then I guess they're not really a, a human either because mm. We, we all think that stuff. We all want to be free and we all want to be able to say what we want to say. You know, just because I, I, I tell an off color joke doesn't mean I'm a racist. Back in the day, we made Polish jokes, Italian mm -hmm. jokes. I don't even remember a black joke. If you think about it, there weren't a lot of black jokes, but man, there was a ton of Polish jokes. And blonde <laughs> jokes. I'm half Polish, blonde half jokes, Italian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was funny back then. Yeah. It didn't mean we hated Polish people. It didn't mean we hated anybody. You're, you're half Italian, half Polish. Does that mean you love wine, but when you drink it, you hit yourself in the forehead? No, my dad said <laughs> I'm only Polish from the neck up. Oh, from the neck up. Everything else is Italian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's you know, hilarious. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> Explain it to me in a, in a pictorial. Yeah. So, so it's like, you know, it's just, man, can't we just all be human again? Yeah. Just it's, it's just been too, you know, everybody's feelings get hurt. I mean, they're always talking about bullying. Well, what are they doing to the president now? Do I agree with everything? No. Bump stock being banned, that was bullshit. But, I mean, it, it's like you're not going to agree with everybody all the time, but to, to make it your life goal to destroy a sitting president just because you, you don't believe in them. I mean, imagine if, if everything – the Republicans did if everything the Democrats are doing now. The Republicans did to Obama. Oh my God! They, yeah, they're, they're racists. They're anti-American. All this stuff. Yeah, they're oh, every day because, beating him because he was black. I mean, it, it just wouldn't have flown. Any of it wouldn't have flown. And that's why they didn't do it is because he was black. You know, and, and then people talk about you know racism. Like, well, they equate being prejudiced with racism well being prejudiced isn't a bad thing because when you look up the definition it means to prejudge if you don't prejudge what comes into your environment you're going to end up too close to something that could be potentially dangerous to you hello i'm john evelyn director of the north american cwd project you're watching meet the pressers with matt mallory and clint macro meet the pressers awesome having you on chris Really, uh, really appreciate you taking the time. And thank you for giving me some info for my guns.com article coming out, the ultimate three gunner. So, yeah. yeah. 
Well, while we're throwing around, thanks for being on the show. Definitely. Thank you, Clint. It's good to see you again. And thank you so much for your kitty pressers trick. Kitty petters trick. Kitty petters union. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll make sure I get get a mailing address off you and I'll send you some more. Yeah, very good. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. All right, guys. Stay safe, brother. Wow. For a gun named after a dancer, it shoots pretty true. Meet the Pressers. We have a lot of sponsors that made this show possible. Make sure you check them out and give them your business. Perfect. Perfect. Good. All right. This episode of Meet the Pressers is made possible with the generous support of thelawofselfdefense.com, Nikon, Shooter Technology Group, ASP, Saber Red, the Safer Faster Defense Responder 2.0, and Lee Armory. Thank you. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, Matt Mallory of Public Safety and Education, a.k.a. PSNet. Our Second Amendment's being infringed, and we need to rally. Rally big time. November the 2nd in Washington, D.C., Second Amendment rally. Be there, be square. Let's tell these politicians what AR really stands for, Armalite Rifle. Even though we love America, it doesn't stand for American Rifle, and we hear it come out of their mouths all the time, Assault Rifle and Automatic Rifle, and it doesn't stand for that. So let's rally in Washington, D.C. on November the 2nd for the Second Amendment rally and make this happen. Show our politicians that we are still in force and that we'll take them to the toll to pull both. Stay safe. Shoot straight. Thanks for watching the show. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, and click that little bell to make sure you know when our next episode's uploaded. Until next time, adieu. Thank you for watching Meet the Pressers. 